You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 122 of the Wisdom by Wessa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sofia Yagela. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WESA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Sophia, I've heard about two raffles that will be taking place at the upcoming January WESA trade show with all the proceeds being donated. Can you tell us about the first one? Yes, you might remember JT Rockwell. He was a guest on the podcast and he also painted the January cover and he was on site last August for a meet and greet and a life painting. And he will raffle off a painting with the help of National Little Bridges Rodeo Association. So you can donate $5 on January 17th all day to get a raffle ticket. And then the winner will be announced at the beginning of the award ceremony on that same day, Wednesday, January 17th. And all proceeds will be donated to West Trust and the scholarship fund for National Little Bridges. Nice. And what about the second raffle? And then also Montana Silversmiths will be raffling off another one-of-a-kind item for West Trust. So stay tuned for more info on how to participate. But I just wanted to give them a shout-out and also the WESA members and the attendees for the participation in the last raffle because the support has allowed Montana to collectively raise over $27,000 for West Trust. So that's really awesome. Can you remind everybody and just share again what West Trust's mission is? Yes. So West Trust is a nonprofit that helps members of the Western industry in need. So we're really thankful for both Montana and JT Rockwell for raising money to help the community. Bill Hipple took a circuitous route to becoming one of the country's top Western wear sales representatives. Prior to his start, Selling in the Western Department of J.C. Penney's in Houston, he held a variety of jobs, including working on a pipeline in Saskatchewan, in a sheet metal factory. He was a machinist and attended Baylor University two different occasions until he earned his degree, and that's when he moved to Houston. He joined J.C. Penney. The rest is history. Bill's going to tell us about that today. Hey, Bill Heppel, thanks for taking the time to join us on the Wisdom by Wessa podcast. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. And for our listeners, Bill has received the Bill Shackelford Salesperson of the Year Award. We're going to talk a bit about that, but we're really going to talk about Bill's interesting and somewhat securitous route to becoming a top salesman in the Western wear world. Because you started out doing a whole bunch of other things. Many people in this business were kind of ranch raised and got into the Western world early and stayed with it. You came in with 
a lot of different experience and perspective and have had a tremendous amount of success. But let's go back a little bit prior to the time that you became a salesman, the time you were going to Baylor, working a bunch of different jobs, and then how you got into this business. Okay. Well, I had a marketing professor my senior year at Baylor that was gung-ho J.C. Penney Company. And I was not really excited about going into retail because I had been in retail off and on through college and before college. But he was just so determined, and uh, he, he had me interview with a large store training program down here in Houston. And so we ended up coming down to J.C. Penney Company, and from there, it just evolved into this. Before you uh, got out of Baylor and went to J.C. Penney, you had a lot of interesting jobs. You uh, worked on a pipeline. You were in the sheet metal business. You were a machinist and uh, in and out of Baylor to get your degree, which I think is an interesting story because you didn't come to the world with a, from Texas, a Western mentality, sure, but you had a lot of other things that you had done. And I just wanted to chat a bit about that. Then we'll go from J.C. Penney forward. Okay. I'd been duck and goose hunting all my life, and I was working a pipeline job Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and picked up an Outdoor Life magazine one night and read an article about two guys that had gone up there on their own and talked to a rancher, farmer, and asked if they could hunt on his property. And they said, of course. And so friend of mine and I that I was working on the pipeline with decided that we would go try that out. Quite a trip from there down to Lake Michigan. We took the ferry across Lake Michigan, which was an eight-hour ride, and went up through Minot, North Dakota in the Saskatchewan. And I, I found the man's address that was in the, in the outdoor life and had the outdoor life in my hand and walked up to his door and knocked on his door. And he came to the door and I said, you seen this article? He said, no, but he said, I remember those guys that are, they were good guys. I said, well, we'd like to do the same thing. And he said, well, you're just most welcome. Showed us where they camped right down there from the house. And we went down there and set up camp. And, uh, the next day was, was the Thanksgiving day in Canada. And they came down and invited us up, and we had a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner with them and had a wonderful hunt and then came back down to Texas from there. Man, you wanted to hunt. I mean, that was an awful lot of work. I've done a little, I've done a little goose and duck hunting in my life as well, but I'm not certain I would have made that much effort to shoot a couple of geese and ducks, or maybe you've shot more than two. But what I really like about the story is it shows tenacity. And I suspect that that tenacity has been one of the things that's helped you be successful once you started in the Western wear world. There's no doubt about that, because when I started, it was not easy. What was it like back then when you first started in, in trying to get people to buy your wares? Well, it uh, you know, when, when I was at JCPenney, we had a Western department there. And I, I bought Wrangler boots from the rep and Carmen shirts. It was way, way different from a Western store, but it was a start. And then 
when I went to work for Acme in 73, sales force, the previous sales force had consisted of, um, of a bunch of salesmen that they had, and they were carrying Acme Dan Post and the Dingo brand. And this, this new group uh, that I was hired to go to work with was Dingo only. A bunch of young college graduates that, that they had chosen. And the way the sales force was set up, uh, the people that the men had been there did not like having the Dingo brand taken away from them. And so we had to fight uh, tooth and nail every day to make our way known and it paid off, but it was, uh, it was not easy at first, but you know, that's the way it is. What was it like selling back then? What would, what will your day consist of and compare that to your day now? You know, t- today and, and then are not a lot different as far as the day goes. Because you you call and make appointments and you show up and if it's a new account you show them new product and fill out application and visit with them and then if it's an existing account you go in and inventory the store the same we do now and work with them on a fill in and then show them new boots so it's pretty much the same then but it, we just you know had bigger territories. Thank goodness we had some good advertising. How big a territory were you covering back then, Bill? I was covering about the southern half of, of Texas. I didn't have El Paso, but I had from Nacogdoches over to well, Del Rio South. Okay, now. It's a much much larger territory than the Acme and Dan Post salesmen had, so we had to uh, we had to kick it in gear for sure. And as I recall in reading some material, you are now working together with your son? I am, yes. And what advice do you have for him or for others in his age group who may want to go into this business in terms of the opportunities and the challenges that this particular business represents? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, it is, and I, I talk to people every day and they say, Hippo, you know, this, our, our business, I mean, our way of life is, is dying. And I said, you know, I don't see that. I mean, people are buying online people, buy, you know, and I said, well, COVID had a lot to do with that, but you still, if you're going to do some business, you still have to go call on people and you have to show them new product. And that part of it hadn't changed, and I don't think it's going to change for a while. I mean, who knows what the future holds, but it's just, it's very basic selling. I mean, you have to call on them. You have to treat them with respect. You've got to help them with buying, and you got to treat the people on the floor with respect and ask questions and get ideas and, and extra service every every time you get a chance. And so, you know, I, I I tell my son, I said, you know, we're, you just keep doing what you're doing because he's doing very well. And he can talk to people and he's knowledgeable and helps design, design the boots with me. And uh, I just, I, I'm encouraging him as much as I can. Now, you just mentioned design. You're involved in, the, in boot design now as well? Yes, we are. We've been doing that ever since I came on board. Oh, really? Okay, I kind of want to bring Casey in here because she's got a different design flair than I do. She probably buys more boots than I do. Not that I don't, but I want to bring her in and, and, and chat about this as well. Yeah, I was just complaining today that I have too many boots and I went to make a pile of ones I was ready to get rid of and 
there's nothing in the pile. And I think that's the cool thing about cowboy boots, especially ones that I wear, you know, not to compete in so much. Those kind of get wore out. But the ones that I have uh, to wear, it's like they may go out of style for a minute, but a lot of times I see those come back into style. And I I have boots, I'll be honest, 20 from 20 years ago that I still wear. Um, I do want to know from you, Bill, and congratulations on your award, by the way. Thank you very much. You've kind of mentioned what it takes to be successful as a salesperson. You make it sound really easy, but would I be wrong to say believing in the products that you're selling is one of, if not the biggest thing? Of course. Yeah, it's it's always it's always number one right there. And talk about that. Um, I guess one of which would say Old West. Talk about Old West. Uh, it's a it's a brand I always go to for my my daughter. I'll be honest. I bought her a pair yep. of fringe Old West boots for Christmas. To be honest. Well, that's one hope of she, my best. Hope she's not listening. <laughs> she's not. She's not. <laughs> no. But you know, we we have some boots in Old West that are twenty twenty five years old that just will not die. But you always have to come up with new styles, and I always like to give. especially the kids uh, bright colors because most of them like bright colors and you know the ladies business is constantly changing much more than the kids or the men's and the men's is is part of the toughest sale we got because where we are and all the established brands that have been down here for a long long time but we try to uh, we try to style boots that that are good for everyone and our our value is is top-notch and Old West, I, they seem to be a go-to for my daughter. They're so durable. I think I have repurchased the same pair of fringe boots three or four times in different sizes because we just love them, and she still gets so many compliments. So there, that's five to six years of the same pair of boots that have stayed in style, and none of them look wore out when she's done with them. They're really great kid boot. And that's a good part about it. They, they make an outstanding boot, and... You know, I've known them for a long time. When I was with Acme Dan Post, they were making some kids' boots for us in 66, 67, 68 in there. And that's where I first first got to know them. And uh, the older son was over here first and put everything together and started hiring a few people. And it just it just worked out. When I left Dan Post, I just um, called him and I said, I need your whole line because at the time we only had six kids' boots that we were selling. And so I picked up the whole line then. And that was 2000 and, you know, started working on it and built it up since then. So it's been fun, but it's been a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I think sometimes a salesperson, salesperson position could be intimidating to some. And I know you talked about some things that have made you a success, but what kind of advice would you give somebody that may be considering going into this? I, I don't know about being a people person or how to make that sale or um, how to not seem like you're trying to force something on somebody, but still make the sale. It's not, it's not easy and it's not for everyone, but you know, when I first started, the first thing that I told myself is that you can't make me mad and you can't hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I've, I've 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 stuck to that my whole career for the last fifty years, and it works. And it's just you know we meet new people and we greet new people, and 
some people don't have a problem with that and other people have a hard time talking to strangers and it's just it's kind of and I had no idea that it was it was going to be uh, my passion when I went into it but it just it just took off and it was just a, it was a natural thing for me to do and it's just been wonderful have you made a lot of friendships um, you oh. know you do business but developed into friendships oh so it's tremendous. I have I have lifelong friends out there for fifty years that and I see I've been through uh, ups and downs with them and their families. I know their families and have been with them and yeah, tremendous friendships out there. And I just love that part of it. I think what's so neat to talk to somebody like you and we get to do this a lot on this show is someone that's been in the industry for so long and remained successful in it. And it's so refreshing to talk to people that have that stick to and have dedicated the majority of their adulthood to it. And so to that, I want to say again, congratulations on your award. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Bill, you have a front row seat in watching how the retail business operates and how it may have changed you watched it go through COVID. You've watched uh, it uh, adapt with technology. But I wanted you to chat a little bit about what you see in today's retailers that is the same for those who are successful and what they've had to do to adapt to take advantage of current market conditions and market your boots. Probably communication is at the top of that list for them. Uh, of course, uh, when cell phones and laptops came available, that changed the whole scenario from where I was. And they're in, a, they're in the same uh, position that I'm in because uh, some of them have everything online and they fill in when they need some, and but some of them are still not there and they depend on me to come by and fill them in which you know that hadn't changed production sources product quality the comfort has come a long ways and the inventories have come come just incredible what the inventories have done and the sourcing uh, from different countries and they you know they've got they've got a full plate just keeping up with everything and, you know, bringing containers in from China and different places was a tremendous challenge during COVID. And that hurt, that hurt most everybody. But we were very fortunate that our, our family decided to bring our containers in on the East Coast. And we didn't get hung up out in California. And that made our job a whole lot easier. But, yeah, the retailers are, are they just they've got a full plate, but uh, electronic and communication and what they can do, what they can pull up and look at, is just light years ahead of where we were. Are there as many retailers now as there were when you started? Uh, no, there's not, and and I've, I've got a I've got a cabinet full here, and I look at I look at the ones I'm calling on now and. Uh, there's a stack behind the last one that's larger than the one that I've got now because it used to be 350, 400 accounts in the, in the, in the, in the territory that I had, and now it's it's way, way down. But the ones we've got now are better able to buy and control, and they're, they're buying more than they did back then. So 
Yeah, it's just kind of a strange situation. But it's all working out for you and for the brand. It is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Bill, listen, I appreciate, and I know our listeners are going to appreciate a chance uh, to listen to this. We appreciate talking to you, getting your perspective from decades of marketing Western wear products to the retail community, along with some time to hunt ducks and geese and take ferries on an 80-hour trip to shoot some. <laughs> I mean, I admire your, your strength and your tenacity, but I suspect a lot of that has contributed to your success in this business. Congratulations on your award, and it's been great chat- chatting with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all. And it's just been, it's been a pleasure and I'm just looking forward to some more years. We'll see. Uh, You sound like you're going to be ready for quite a few more. I am. Yes, sir. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You bet. The show notes and the links from today's show are at the wisdombywessa.com website. And of course, feedback, we'd sure like to have any that you have. There's a contact link on the site. The Wisdom by Wessa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on wisdombywessa.com. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Wessa, where the industry meets. <laughs>